program-oriented, that I need to put program aside and look to Jesus and look to the Spirit. And that's hard for me to do. That's what I'm trying to do, and I pray you guys will be with me in it. We want the life of God, not the program of the church, right? And so when I say your kingdom, I mean your kingdom shall reign. I mean your t- every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not because we say we ought to do that in church, but because it is Lord. When you see him, every knee bows, every tongue confesses, because that's who he is. That's the reality that we celebrate. So let's look beyond these eyes to the reality that transcends us in the name of Jesus. I was uh, coming back to the I was thinking so deep about one of the one of the message the Lord always gives to Pastor Jim every year. One of them uh, is the year of bounty. And this morning I was meditating on it. I was thinking on it. I was, you know, back to it. And I was reading uh, some, uh, uh, Isaiah 55. I wanted to see if the church can just pull a Bible, just let's read that together. There's a bounty of grace on that passage. Bounty of blessing. And uh, an incredible invitation into this passage as I'm a, a slow reader, I'm going to ask you, we're going to read it, you know, slowly this passage this morning together. And then there's some wonderful prophecy for this house in this passage as well. As we read, uh, keep paying attention. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the riches of fear. Give ear to come, give ear, and come to me. Hear me, that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you. 
because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways, and the evil man his thoughts. Let him attune to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, he will be freely pardoned. For my thoughts are higher. Excuse me. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are the ways my ways. As the heavens and are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thought than your. As the wind and the snow come down from heaven, and do not turn to it without watering the earth, and making the mud and and flourish, so that it yield seed for the sour of the bread. And either. So it is my word that does not out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn branch will grow in pine tree. And instead of briars, the myrtles will grow. This will for the Lord's renewal for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. Amen. This morning, are you thirsty? Are you looking for something to satisfy you? Are you in a desperate place? This invitation is for me and you. What are you seeking for your satisfaction? The joy of the Lord? Or the thing that the Lord is, or the thing that the world is, offers? This morning, come to the water. Come to the living water. Come to the source. And you will be satisfied. There is bounty in here. Come into it and receive yours. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the God of life. That you walk among your people. That you've given us a written record of all you have done. I'm so glad that you are alive. Jesus' name, amen.
God. Come on, let's give him thanks. Hallelujah. If you would just remain standing for a moment as I read the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared and sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and bowed down and worshipped him and opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, and went where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. And when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, and in, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. And then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, "Go, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. And so he got up and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And so what was fulfilled, what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. Lord Jesus, we welcome you today to come and speak into us, Lord, your truths out of your word. You are the living, eternal word. Come now, Lord, with the specific, particular word for this hour, for this day, for this people. Thank you, God, that we have the freedom to gather today. And here in this last Sunday of this year, 2014, as we continue to grow in maturity, we pray, God, that this day, Lord, you would bring revelation that will crack open, Lord, even things in our hearts that have been veiled, things that have been a soil that has been hardened, Lord God, walls that have been built, Lord, come and speak in directly into our lives today, out of your goodness and out of your life. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening to receive and to hear your word this day and this hour in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And good morning, my name is Pastor Jim Olson, I have the privilege of serving here as the lead pastor here at Bethel Christian Fellowship, and I'm delighted to welcome you again here this beautiful morning uh, with uh, the great orb that came in the sky yesterday. Was anybody else happy to see 
the sunshine I was. All right. So um, welcome back, friends. And um, just a couple of uh, family news things that I want to bring to your attention. Uh, uh, spoke with Summer yesterday. It's so nice to see Ron and Nancy here. Glad that you are well enough to be back with us. And, uh, and thank you, Lord, for, yes, bringing healing. And uh, little Amalia is making baby steps. Uh, she's probably going to still be in the hospital for at least another week or so. Um, not sure exactly how long. Uh, Jay is in process of recovering as well. And uh, they will be need as, needing assistance. Uh, Summer's uh, father and stepmom are here right now, but they're going to be leaving about on Wednesday. And so um, if you're still willing, and I know lots of you have already been volunteering to help in different ways, Amy Hernandez and Shelly Lutz will be helping to coordinate things so you can make contact with them. Uh, to find out, and uh, even after Amalia comes home, uh, Summer said, you know, they're just going to need some additional assistance for a little while to, till they can kind of get things back fully on their feet. So thank you for your help. It's great to see uh, Missy Mellon back. Let's welcome Missy. We're so glad you're here. God bless you. We love you. And uh, welcome back home. And also, I mean, they've been here, but they've been out in the... Uh, in the lobby, uh, just uh, just for physical reasons here, but uh, with so great uh, Dave and Linda, Dave Larson, welcome back home. Good to see you, brother. All right. So glad to see our friends in recovery. Continue to pray for Sarah Howard. Some of you got the news last night. Uh, broke her wrist up in Duluth, so wow, painful. So uh, just be praying uh, for her and for other needs uh, going on in the life of the body. Uh, you know, there's just lots of stuff happening. And so uh, if you ever, uh, if you're not on the prayer chain and would like to get on the prayer chain, just look in the bulletin and there's a way there, a simple way that you can, with a click, get onto the uh, prayer chain so that you can kind of be informed for prayer purposes of what's going on in the life of the body. Um, also, if you ever have a prayer need that you need lots of folks praying for, I mean, as Summer said, I don't know what i do without the prayers of God's people. It has been really sustaining. And she did specifically request, and something will be going out shortly, because Amalia has been intubated, uh, she's had to be on a paralytic uh, just to keep her body calm. When she comes out of that, there's going to be withdrawal symptoms that are going to be difficult. So she did say during that time she's going to specifically be sending out prayers. So, so your prayers make a difference. When we pray, God hears and listens and acts. And so... Aren't you glad for that? We're really happy to have Pastor Sam's sister and brother-in-law here all the way out from New York. Why don't you guys stand up? Let's greet them. Welcome. So happy. All right. All right. So your parents grew all tall children, apparently. So that's beautiful. That's great. Welcome. Welcome. All right. Good. Well, um, this morning we are continuing uh, a series that we began a couple of weeks ago, and it's going to be ongoing for quite some time in the Gospel of Matthew. And so if you have your Bible, please uh, open it, uh, find one that's located in front of you. If you don't have your Bible with you, get the one that's located in front of you and grab hold of that because um, we're going to be kind of walking through, and I already read for you Matthew chapter 2. Um, but I'm going to be referring back to that scripture at various times. And um, so when I do, you are uh, just going to be able to follow right along with, uh, with what we're talking about here. The, 
the theme, the overarching theme of the Gospel of Matthew is behold your king. And as I've shared with you, and I'm going to remind you, if not weekly, regularly, I will remind you that when we come to the Gospels, we are not simply coming to some historical piece of literature from which we have to sort of blow the dust off of and hope that perhaps we might be able to find something of interest or something that um, might have relevance for us in the here and now. Now, when we come to the Gospels, the Gospel uh, embodies the very presence and power of the Lord himself. And so the Gospel is much more than simply words on a page. It is actually life-giving impartation into our souls, into our spirits, to bring about transformation in our lives. And so there's a very simple agenda uh, here in the preaching of, through the Gospel of Matthew, and that is, is that our lives would be transformed. This isn't about getting more good information. This is about experiencing the transformative power of God in our lives. Now, in the Gospel of Matthew, he introduces the Messiah in the first 17 verses we have the genealogy, and we discovered as we read through the genealogy that Jesus came from the right line. He is the Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So he came through the lineage, through this line of David and Abraham. He came at the right time, as it tells us in Galatians. Paul says, when the time, set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law. When the time had fully come, at the kairos moment, at the perfect moment in history, Jesus Christ came for us. It also tells us that he came with the right design. Matthew's genealogy includes women, Gentiles, outcasts. It includes all kinds of different folks. And again, if you're taking notes, that's Matthew 1, 17, and that's Matthew 1, 2 to 16, all right? So, but we see here in Matthew's genealogy that he took all kinds of people, ordinary human beings, just like you and like me, and transformed them, redeemed them, and those became a part of the lineage, part of the parentage, as it were, of Jesus Christ. Now, last time, last week, we looked at verses 18 to 25, and noticed some very specific things. One, we noticed that Matthew focuses very little on Mary, focuses almost all of his attention from an earthly standpoint on Joseph. But we also noticed that really, even behind that, and and, and more powerfully, more importantly, focuses on Jesus' parent, God the Father. And we noticed that 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 God the Father is involved with generating, producing life. The Spirit of God creates and recreates life. When the Spirit of God came upon Mary, he created life within her, Jesus Christ, Son of Mary, but Son of God. He also, the Spirit of God, is there guiding. Specifically, we saw him guiding through history, through dreams, through angels, through scriptures, over and over and over again, 
we see the Spirit of God guiding uh, Joseph over and over again. We certainly see that in chapter 2 as well. And we saw the Spirit of God, God the Father, revealing who Jesus is. In his names, Jesus means God rescues and saves, or Yahweh rescues and saves from the same Hebrew name of Joshua, Jesus. And he accomplishes that work by being Emmanuel, God with us. So God saves and rescues by being with us. I'm so grateful. Aren't you grateful that God is not only in a far off place, but he has come. And that's the beauty of the incarnation, the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is different than any other religion because God could have sent simply prophets. He could have simply sent words on a page, but he actually sent his son to us. And that is the true grace gift that he has given to us that we receive and that we celebrate at this time of year. He is Emmanuel, God with us. So in the middle of whatever it is that you are facing, remember that he is Emmanuel, God with us. He is God with you right here, right now. He knows your life, your circumstance, your season. He knows your time. He knows your situation, and he is with us in the middle of that. And he's there to come to rescue and to save us. Now this morning as we step into chapter 2, revealing Christ the King, we're going to be looking at this whole chapter which I just read. And there are many, I mean I did a lot of study in this chapter, and there are many fascinating things that we could look at. Things about... Um, historical notes, we can look at a lot of, uh, I I mean, chapter 2, the focus moves specifically from from kind of his parentage to the place of his origin, and, and it begins to look at all of the places from where he was born to where he was raised, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but really what I felt and sensed in my spirit this morning, because remember Matthew... His audience for his gospel is a a Jewish Christian audience. And so when he comes in these first two chapters, he's establishing some things by looking back to the Old Testament prophetic scriptures. And as he does that, as he goes back to those Old Testament scriptures, and as he brings them into their fulfillment and sees their fulfillment in Jesus Christ, he is speaking to us something that is revelatory, something that has prophetic importance for us today. And so what I would like to do this morning is take and put our focus and our emphasis and bring sort of hopefully a fresh perspective into your spirit today about who Jesus Christ, the King, truly is. Not only then, but here and now and for all eternity. Because as it says in Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. Right? Okay? So just as he was then, 
nearly 2,000 years ago, so he is now in the year 2014. All right, so let's take a look at what our scripture says. Come with me to the very beginning again, Matthew chapter 2. Beginning in verse 5, it says, In Bethlehem, well, we'll go to verse 4. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where was the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will become a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. The first thing I want us to to kind of focus our attention on this morning, and I think there's five of them, ultimately, for those of you that are keeping score or taking notes, there are going to be five different facets of who Jesus Christ is that I want to kind of unpack for us briefly here this morning. The first is that he is shepherd of his people. He is shepherd of his people. Now Luke does something interesting, I'm sorry, Matthew does something interesting here. Matthew actually takes two pieces of prophetic words from the Old Testament and brings them together. He does sort of a prophetic mashup of two prophetic words. One of those, most of us know, is out of Micah chapter 5 verse 2. Micah chapter 5 verse 2, but you Bethlehem... Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So out of Bethlehem. So he's telling us, he's giving us a prophetic pronouncement here. Out of Bethlehem, this king will come. This ruler will come. But in Matthew... He uses and he talks about and he takes that scripture and he says, who will be the shepherd of my people Israel? Sermon points available if anybody has any idea where that might be found in the Old Testament. Anybody? Look down quick in the notes down at the bottom. Maybe it's there. I don't know. Maybe not. Anybody have an idea where that might be found? Well, Micah is this first part, but there's a second portion here, the shepherd of my people. All right. Pastor Ben, sermon points this morning. All right. 2 Samuel 5, verse 2, the second half. And the Lord said to you, you will be, you will shepherd my people Israel and you will become their ruler. So here in the context of 2 Samuel, which is a prophetic word, comes forth the second portion of what Matthew is speaking. So, so again, when you're reading through the scriptures, sometimes we read through and we don't even pause to really dig in and understand what's happening. We're just sort of reading, and sometimes the words are so familiar we stop seeing them. But Matthew has something that he wants to communicate, not just to his readers then, but the Spirit of God wants to reveal to us and remind us of us today. And that is Jesus Christ the King is the shepherd of his people. Now, more sermon points available. If you can tell me, where does Jesus 
claimed this promise as his own in his earthly ministry. Where does he speak of this? Anybody remember where in the scripture? Come on. John 10. Team Van Belthuizen, thank you. John 10. This is the prophetic promise for the present, for now and for the future. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Now we're going to look at about five of these I am statements over the course of this morning. This morning as we were praying in pre-service prayer, I felt that they were kind of like a, a sledgehammer or maybe a, or, or as we were praying, it's kind of like a, a sledge that's going into the earth dirt of our lives and turning up the soil. I want you to hear because when Jesus says I am, he's very specifically connecting himself back to God's revelation of himself to Moses in Exodus when he said I am that I am. So Jesus uses these words very specifically and particularly when he says I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Here's what I want us to hear this morning. And these are all of these are very familiar to us. But I want you to hear it in a fresh way this morning. The good shepherd knows you. He knows you. He knows your name. He knows your life. He knows everything about your life. He knows you and he loves you and he seeks to shepherd you as his sheep. And he knows those who haven't yet even come to him yet. He knows them as well. And desires to bring them into his sheepfold with him. He knows us and has laid down his life for us. All right. Let's press on. What do you notice? What else is interesting about the first 12 verses or so of Matthew 2? Kids, somebody, somebody tell me, what's, what's kind of a miraculous thing that's happening in those first 12 verses of Matthew? Kids, anybody? What's happening? What's, what's interesting and unique about how to... Come on, somebody tell me. Kids? What's that? You're not a kid. Kids? That would be somebody under the age of uh, 12 and under, all right? So tell me. What happens? Come on. We're, we're, what's it? Well, Jesus is born. He sure is. That is one of the mi very miraculous things. But how is it that the Magi find? How do they find Jesus? The star. That's right. Now, that's one of the miraculous things that happens in this story. And we, it's so familiar to us, and we just sort of fly right over it. But I want to submit to you this morning that 
that the miraculous sign of the star actually speaks prophetically about who Jesus the Christ is. You see, he's not only the shepherd of his people, he is also light of the world. He is the light of the world. There is a prophetic promise here from the past that Matthew's readers would have been familiar with. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel, and he will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Shechem. A star will come out of Jacob. A star, a scepter will rise out of Israel. Can anybody else help me find an Old Testament scripture that talks about the light of the world rising? The light of the world. Anybody help me find a prophetic scripture in the Old Testament about the light of the world? Yes, that's a good one in Isaiah. What else? That's Isaiah 9. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Good. There's another one. I'll narrow it down. Isaiah. Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60. Arise, shine for what? I didn't hear you at all. Arise, shine for what? Arise, shine for what? For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over all of the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. And nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So the prophet Isaiah is pointing towards something, as even in Numbers chapter 24, is pointing towards something. They're pointing towards Jesus, who is the light of the world. And here is the prophetic promise for you and for me today. And it is this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am. Say, I am. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Ha, ha, ha. I am the light of the world. Do you think there are some shadows in the world today? Do you have any shadows in your life right now? Is there some darkness around you? In darkness around situations, 
Maybe not only in your life, but again, as you look out broader than that. But the prophetic promise this morning of Matthew and the revelation of Christ the King is this. He is the light of the world. And darkness will not overcome the light. Darkness will not overcome the the light of the world. This is one of the things I pray frequently, and I would invite you to pray as well, in situations that are shadowed, foggy, dark, difficult, pray that he would increase his light right in the center of those situations. In the center of your life, in the center of those around you, pray for the light of the world to be revealed. He's the shepherd of his people. He is the light of the world. All right, let's continue on. Moving forward. Let's read verses 13 to 15 of Matthew 2. When they had gone, and this is now we're moving beyond where the Magi had come. They had come, they'd followed the light, they worshipped Jesus. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Now there's a lot going on here and we don't have time to unpack all of it. I would encourage you to take a look at this passage and think of it in light of the story of Exodus and Moses. Because there is a tremendous amount of parallel here between Jesus and Moses and Herod and Pharaoh. But the thing that ultimately then gets revealed that that Matthew is bringing to our attention prophetically here this morning is that Jesus is the strong deliverer. Say that with me. Jesus is the strong deliverer. Jesus is the strong deliverer. I'm having you say these things this morning with me, not simply as a, you know, a a sermon device, but actually because I want these things to penetrate and start to get into our spirit this morning. He is the strong deliverer. Now, when it says, out of Egypt, I called my child, there's a prophetic promise from the past in Hosea. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt, I called my son. And then for the next several verses, all the way through verse 11, um, Hosea continues to unpack this. And at the end, he says, they will follow the Lord, and he will roar like a lion. And when he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come from, the, from Egypt, trembling like sparrows, from Assyria, fluttering like doves. And I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. Here is the prophetic promise of deliverance for the people of Egypt. And it's the prophetic promise for you and for me today. That the same one who delivered His people out of Egypt is the one 
who delivers us out of our bondages. Our bondage to pride. Our bondage to lust. Our bondage to addictions. Our bondage to control. Our bondage to anger. Our bondage to brokenness and sinfulness and woundedness. He delivers us out. He is the strong deliverer. He's the strong deliverer. There is nothing in your life that is too hard for God to break the chains of. There's nothing. There is nothing. There is no chain that is stronger than Jesus. There is no shackle that is more powerful than he is. And that's true on the individual level. It's also true on the systemic level. We look around us again and we see so many difficulties, so many problems in our society and things around us, so much division and so much difficulty and so many hard things. But I want you to know that the answer ultimately is Jesus, who is the strong deliverer who is able to deliver even culture from its captivity and bring transformation through his kingdom. Now there's another I am statement of Jesus and, and these, I don't know, the Lord just kept bringing these I am's before my heart and my spirit as I was preparing this message this week and so I'm just going with it because I believe it's the word of the Lord to us today. The prophetic promise today Oh, we also have Moses here, sorry, for just a moment. In Acts chapter 7, uh, there's this extended passage, which we're not going to go into the whole thing, but this is the Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. So in the middle of, of, um, of, of the sermon that Stephen's giving here, he, he, he comes back and he recounts the history of Israel and he reminds them that a prophet like me will come who will raise up like Moses, and that prophet is Jesus. And the prophetic promise for the present and future is this. In John chapter 11, whoops, in Romans, sorry, Romans chapter 11. And in this way, all of Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. Jacob, And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And the prophetic I am is found in John 14, 6, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Say it with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Keep going. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the one. He is the I am who delivers us from ourselves and from our sins. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. The strong deliverer. So whatever it is that you are facing today, whatever situation or circumstance, whatever bondage feels so powerful that you can't break, say, Jesus, have mercy and come to me the way, the truth, and the life and deliver me and rescue me.
All right, let's go on in the passage. All right? Verse 16, when Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and his vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for his children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. But there's more to the story, and there's more to what Jeremiah brings. And, and again, I believe Matthew would have, his, his readers, being familiar with the Old Testament scriptures, would have heard more overtones than just what Matthew shares here, because there's even more. And, and, and here's the word, and here's the specific character of who Jesus is, Christ the King, that I want to have revealed afresh in our hearts this morning. He is the compassionate life changer. Because the scripture that we found in Jeremiah has more to it. If you go on from 15 to 17, so let's read, let me read for you the rest of the context here or the rest of the story of what Jeremiah says. This is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. But this is what the Lord says. Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. For your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of the enemy. So there is hope for your descendants, declares the Lord. Your children will return to their own land. So the word to our hearts this morning, the word to your heart today and to my heart is this. The end of the story is not with weeping. The end of the story... Weeping may endure for the night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. There are times when we must weep. In Bethlehem, when Herod killed all of those young children, it must have been horrible grief. I can't even imagine in losing a child the most horrible things that could happen in all of these children's lives. And yet, even in the midst of tragedy, even in the midst of the darkest, most difficult moments in our lives, even in the times of greatest grief and sorrow, which we might face, the word of the Lord, and this is the, the reality of the gospel this morning, and the reality of who Christ the King is, is that even in the midst of those hard places, he comes as the compassionate life changer. So this morning, if you were in the midst of grievous, something grievous, difficulty, challenge, sorrow, weeping, the Lord has a word for you. And it's the word that he spoke to Martha. In John chapter 11, after her brother Lazarus died, and Jesus wept outside of the tomb along with Mary and Martha, but then he says to Martha, he says, I am, read it with me, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live 
even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He spoke this to her while Lazarus was still in the tomb. And yes, Lazarus was raised from the tomb, but at some point he died again. But nevertheless, the reality and the truth in the midst of that situation of darkness and difficulty was Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. So even in those dark, difficult, dead places, there is still a word of hope held out for us today that Jesus, the compassionate Life changer transforms even the most difficult of circumstances with his grace and mercy. He uses them to change us and change those around us by his goodness and love. Amen? I've experienced it. I don't know about anybody else, but I have certainly experienced that. One more. This is really interesting and Probably Pastor Sam ran across this as he was studying this passage this week as well. Um, verse 19 and to the end. It says, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. See the guiding going on again? And said, get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, Archelaus followed after Herod. There was three, it was... It was split into three there. Israel was split into three kingdoms at that point. Archelaus was one of Herod's son, and as bad as Herod was, Archelaus was worse. So he was reigning in Judea in a place of his father, Herod. He was afraid to go there. So he went to a different portion of Israel. He, having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. Now... Sermon points available for anybody who can tell me where in the Old Testament does it speak of the Savior, the Messiah, being a Nazarene. Anybody? If you come up with one, you will be, I want to know because no one in 2,000 years has been able to find a scripture in the Old Testament that speaks of the Messiah being a Nazarene. Isn't that interesting? But Matthew says, out of, he, he's going to be such, such to fulfill the word of the prophets. What does it say there? Come on, look with me. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. So what's this about? Well, we can only speculate. I've got a couple of ideas that I want to share with you, and they connect to the same thing. Do you remember, was it, which of the disciples, my brain just left me for a moment, so which of the disciples it was says, what good can come out of Nazareth? One of them. Nathaniel. That's what I, okay, Nathaniel. What good can come out of, what goods come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was a no-nothing, no-account no well-known, it was, it was a nothing, nothing, nothing town. It had nothing to offer to say, this is a place where a king should be raised. And so I think even understanding that, 
gives us a fresh revelation and understanding of who Jesus is as Matthew is revealing him to us. He is the humble king. Jesus was not raised in Jerusalem. He was not raised in in Rome or in the centers of power. Jesus was raised in an obscure town. And when you look at his life and ministry, you see that often he spent his time in obscure places with no-name people. And in that, we're getting a revelation of who Jesus is in his humility as a humble king. Now, there is one scripture in Isaiah chapter 11. It says, a shoot will grow up, come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And the word branch in the Hebrew sounds, it's N-E-Z-E-R, it sounds like Nazareth. And so some have speculated that perhaps Matthew is thinking of that branch. But if he's thinking of that branch, he's also thinking of Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. This is the king of the universe? Yes. He is the humble king who comes to us in all of his humility to lift us up out of our brokenness and woundedness. I love this about who Jesus is. I love this. And what is the prophetic promise for the present and for the future? Well, in Matthew 27, this is the next time that the the phrase king of the Jews comes up. It says in, in the Gospel of Matthew, Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. In the Gospel of John, it's put this way. Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by Jewish leaders. But now... My kingdom is from another place. You are a king, then said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. I am a king, Jesus says. But he says I'm a particular kind. I'm a humble king whose kingdom is from another place. So let's review for a moment. Jesus is the shepherd of his people. He is the light of the world. He is the strong deliverer. He is the compassionate life giver. And he is the humble king. And so how do we respond to Christ the king? What is our response? As he has been revealed to us this morning, what is your response to Christ the King today. You can be like Herod in opposition to him, and I know people who are in in complete and total opposition to who Jesus is and all that he stands for. 
And they stand even to this day in rebellion to him. And then there is the world in all of its indifference who didn't even realize what was happening around them. And even the scholars and the religious folks didn't really know what was going on. And even though in all of their learning they were indifferent to the reality or the truth. But then there were those magi who came and worshipped him. As it says in Matthew 2, 10 to 11, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. It says they, they rejoiced with great joy is the actual literal translation. There was an incredible joy. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him and opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. The gold is, speaks of his royalty, the incense, frankincense of his divinity, and his myrrh, the myrrh speaks of his death and burial. Right there, even the magi, as they come to worship him, give a picture of the full story of the gospel from beginning to end, which we heard on Christmas Eve. It was a great, both Christmas Eve services were wonderful on Christmas Eve. And the four o'clock told the whole story from beginning to end. And it's all about, and it's right there in the magi. And so, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, as the worship team comes up, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. So this morning, I've preached the simple, straightforward gospel to you, and I remind you today, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. We sang it earlier, Christ the solid rock, we're standing on that. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. For I, what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This king who came, came not only as a baby, but he came as a king to not only to live, but to die and to be raised again that we might live this morning at the end of this year. I want to ask you, where are you at in terms of your understanding of and in terms of your welcoming of Christ the King in your life? This very day. The scripture says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when you can experience the reality of new life, when you can receive and welcome a shepherd who will guide your life, life, you can receive the light of the world who will come into every shadowed place and bring revelation and bring light to your life, the strong deliverer who will help you, free you from your uh, shackles and chains. You can experience and come to the compassionate life transformer, life changer, who will change and takes even, he is the ultimate, I say, God is the ultimate recycler, even the hardest things in your life he will recycle and use for his good, and he is the humble king, and he is the Lord, he is the Lord, the king and the Lord, so this morning let's receive him with and I want to give an invitation to you this morning as well, both to come to Christ. If you've never come to Jesus, today receive him. 
believe that he has died on the cross for your sins, your sins which separate you from God, nothing you can do can bridge that gap to God, but he has bridged that gap by sending his son Jesus to you to bring you into new life, to die for your sins. And all it takes is saying, Jesus, I need you. I confess, I realize I'm a sinner. I need your grace. Come and live inside of me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. And he will. He will. And if you take that step, or if you've taken that step, and you've never stepped into the waters of baptism, this Wednesday night, I think there's already 15 people who are planning to be baptized on Wednesday night, on New Year's Eve, and you can join with those who are taking that step of obedience. And if you've never been baptized, I want to invite you to take that public step of receiving and speaking Christ the King in your life. And I want to invite all of you to join us Wednesday night to celebrate with those who are taking that step. And come in and pray in and sing in and dance in and joy in the new year with us on New Year's Eve. Come and bring your Bethel Christian Fellowship. We're bringing sweets. So come and bring your sweets. And there's lots of other food that's going to be there too. It won't just be a sweet buffet, all right? There'll be lots of great food. But come. What's that? And salads, sorry. Bring salads, too. I was, all I saw was sweets. I didn't even, I, I didn't read beyond sweets. So we're sweets and salads. So bring some salads. Good Minnesota salads. You know, the ones that are really fluffy and full of sweet and sugar and all that good thing. All those kind of really good healthy salads, okay? Bring all of those, all right? But come and rejoice. And this morning... We're going to respond like the Magi did with worship to our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So I'm going to invite you to stand and if you'd like to come forward, if you've never received Christ as King, I'm going to invite you to come forward and receive Him today. And maybe you have received Him, but this morning something in the Word today just spoke to your heart. Just come and receive, come and bring yourself and make an offering of worship and praise to the King today. Here we go. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to
open your hands. Pastor Litovic's going to come and dismiss us in prayer this morning. And as he does, I just want to also welcome you today to join us. Two o'clock this afternoon, the Corinne Christian Fellowship's holding their Christmas gathering, and they have invited the whole body. And also this evening at five o'clock, the Haitian Christian Fellowship has invited us, First Covenant Church in East St. Paul, to join us for their Christmas gathering. Come and rejoice with the rest of the body. Now with open hands, receive the benediction today for our hearts as we receive Christ the King. Hallelujah. Father God, we want to thank you. Thank you, Lord, uh, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your unfailing love. Thank you, Father, for you are a God of generosity. And Father God, uh, we, we really don't have uh, right vocabularies to explain how wonderful, how, how lavish is your love. But Lord, we want to thank you for your only son. You send him to us, Lord. Take us from the death to life, from the darkness to, to light, from the hopeless to hopeful, Father God. And Lord, we give you praise, we give you thanks for everything that you have done for, for us, Father God, over the year. And then, Lord, you help us to make it to the last Sunday of the year. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, uh, for your word today. Thank you, Lord, for your revelation to us. Thank you for your promise to us. And thank you, Lord, uh, for where, Lord, you're going to come soon, Father God, and to bring us into your joy where there will be no sorrow, no pain, no sickness, but we will rejoice with you forever. But help us to carry this word with us today, Lord. And move on with hope. With hope in Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, may the Lord the Father, the Lord of love, may uh, the love of Jesus, the only Son of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit rests in each and every heart as we depart from this place to our regular place. And until, Father God, we call to be home with you. 
blessing on each and every one of you. Amen. Princes and papas, sons.